Jaya Foresteros. Foresteros. You killed, you killed my father. Be better to die. Author of Empathy for the Devil, finding ourselves in the villains of the Bible. Do we have anything in common with the bad guys of the Bible? I think so. The sins of wrath, idolatry, abuse of power are closer to us than we think. Donald Trump. How do we guard against them? Uh, we learn not only by following moral examples, we also need to look at the warnings of lives gone wrong. In this fictionalized narrative, J.R. Foresteros reintroduces us to some of the most villainous characters of scripture. He shows us what we can learn from their negative examples with figures like Cain, Jezebel, King Herod, and even Satan. Ooh. JR is on the line with us. JR, man, you were it was like 400 years ago you were on the show and now you're like a big deal. Why are you saying yes to coming back on this schmucky show? I was actually like Waiting to be invited back on. I was so excited when my publicist connected, said that Drew wanted me back on. I, I couldn't wait. Man, hey, are you on a? Your this phone connection is horrible. I want to ask our phone operator if if did he sound like that when you called him when you get picked him up? Because he sounds like he's going through the drive-through McDonald's. What happened there? Do you know? Anyway, we'll roll with it for a bit, Jr. And then if it doesn't work, we're going to call you right back, and, and I'll keep reading okay, your Bible. Great. Your Bible. See your Bible. Works both ways. <laughs> Um, okay, so obviously the concept is great. You know, if, uh, if we don't learn from history, we're bound to repeat ourselves. So let's look at some of the bad boys of the Bible. Was it, by the way, wasn't there a book out there, Bad Girls of the Bible? You're kind of, you're kind of yeah. So you're looking at you're looking at the same kind of a deal, except by the way, way better title, way better imagery on your book. <laughs> Thank you. That was that was one hundred percent my publisher. I, I wanted that title from the beginning, and my agent said it was probably too hot for Christian shelves. And IVP said, "No, we're going to roll with it. Like we're going to do it. We're going to put it up there." Well, how about a rousing so, round of applause for University Press? Well nice. done. Way to go, boys. Way to and have girls. that testicular fortitude when it comes to publishing, kids. Yeah. <laughs> Um, that was awesome. Okay, let's let's personalize this. Who's the bad person in the Bible that you saw your most of you in, or no, you saw yourself in? So, so you know, my my book is like part fiction. Like I, I kind of reimagine the yep. stories of these people, and they always say like it's like cliche that your first piece of fiction is autobiographical. So I wrote I wrote Cain first. So if that tells you anything, like, I think the one that, that has the most me shining through in it is Cain, for sure. Really? So do you have um, a sibling that you don't think fondly of? Or is six feet uh, underground? Well, I, I will say that I do have a younger, I have two younger siblings. I have a younger sister and a younger brother. And definitely, as I was growing up as the eldest, I wrestled with a lot of feelings of being, like, the unwanted or, or least loved child. Uh, oh, and, and there were things that there were things that my siblings did, like uh, sports or hobbies or activities that my parents like participated with them in, and not me. And I kind of saw like again what what at the time I experienced as a kind of you know favoritism. So uh, yeah, I mean that that was definitely in there when I was yeah. when I was writing. Can I would I'd like to think that I've grown up a bit since then, and my siblings and I have I think. A, much better relationship these days. But, but you, so you never actually, yeah. you never actually Tanya Harding, one of your siblings. <laughs> no, 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 no. But we fought. I mean, we fought. We were legends uh, as kids fighting. We actually made a counselor fire us one time. Um, 
<laughs> I love it. That's fantastic. Yeah. Um, what is what is actually some of you? You must have received a little bit of negativity, a little negative pushback from maybe someone in Kirk Cameron's fan club. Uh, what have <laughs> has anybody hated you for writing this book? No, I keep waiting for like a really a really good negative review. You know, because uh, I'd, I'd probably print it out and frame it. Uh, but you know, I have, there have been a few people that, uh, actually when I, before the book actually came out, I was speaking, I'm a part of a, an artist collective down here in Dallas called uh, art house Dallas. And I presented the book and did a reading from it. And I had a couple of people come up to me afterwards, uh, who were aspiring writers. And it, it had been a workshop on basically how to write compelling villains. Cause if you don't have a good villain, your story kind of sucks. Mm-hmm. And, uh, they they were wrestling so hard. Like you could see that they wanted to like what I was doing, but they had all of this like Christian programming in their head. And so they said, they said, uh, you know, what about that verse? That's like, uh, don't, don't even take on the appearance of evil. Like, like, have you thought about that? As though, like, I, you know, didn't know that. And again, they were not, they were not doing like gotcha journalism or something like that. They weren't coming up like with their pastor on the phone in one ear, you know, trying to get me. Uh, they, I, they were genuinely wrestling with like, how, how do you, and, get, and so I just said, I said, well, if I had the book here to hand to you and you could read what I was doing, I think you'd see, I'm not trying to apologize for these people. I'm not trying to say like, you know, it's not like the wicked treatment, like where the wicked witch of the rest, West was actually the good guy all along. Like, I'm not trying to do any of that. Yeah. I'm just trying to say like, if, if we write these people off and treat them as boogeymen, what we then do is essentially say they're fundamentally different from us. And their villainy is essentially different from any kind of bad thing I would be involved in. So I, I don't have anything to learn from them. I'm not like them in any way. And that's dangerous because we are exactly like them. Like they're human. They were created in the image of God and then made choices that led them away from that. And we all do that. Like no one is born uh, evil, you know? I mean, setting aside like being fallen nature and all, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's theological things we go there. But but if we all if we all bear the image of God, I think it's worth asking how they got to where they got to and, and not just assuming it was like Cain was born bad, you know? Hmm. I I actually want to uh, share with people some chapter titles because you got, there's enough, if you don't get hooked into buying this book, then you, you are impervious to hooks because there's so many hooks in this book. Uh, not just the title, Empathy for the Devil, but uh, check this out. First of all, uh, we got to talk about You Wouldn't Like Me When I'm Angry. <laughs> Dr. David Bruce Banner. Nice one. Um, let's talk about uh, Cats in the Cradle. Dude, don't mess with Cat Stevens, man. And, and uh, uh, No, that's not Cat Stevens. Who is that? That's his, what's his name? Harry, uh, Harry Chapin. Harry Chapin. Um, and then what death smells like. So as someone who grew up in, the, in a funeral home, I know exactly what death smells like. But this is good stuff. And these are just the titles. I don't even, I'm not, I don't even care if the book is good. The titles are just that awesome. Well, thank you. <laughs> That's not a compliment. Jeez, what a schmuck. Don't ever get interviewed by me. Um, okay, so let's just talk about empathy for the devil versus sympathy for, for the devil. I'm sure that's a question yeah. you, you get asked a lot and you've processed. So lay that on us. What, what, why empathy, not sympathy? So I think uh, immediately when people people hear the title, their gut reaction is that, again, I'm trying to say, like, Satan's a good guy or we should, like, want to be friends with Satan or something like that. Um, we should agree with him. We should celebrate him. 
And uh, I think that the wordplay, again, playing off the same song that you rolled us in with, uh, that that is the fundamental difference. When empathy doesn't require any kind of agreement or solidarity, it's just understanding. Hmm. It's being able to put myself in the shoes of someone else and see things from their perspective. And then, and then I may, after I empathize with them, I may still entirely disagree with their position, with where they've ended up, with the choices that they've made, but at least I've understood them. And sympathy is different. Sympathy is more of that, like, I feel what you're feeling, like, I'm with you, I'm, you know, it's, it's, it's not, that's not bad either in certain cases. I think we do need to have sympathy for, for people in other scenarios. But, uh, yeah, all I wanted to do was say, um, what happens when we work really, really hard to understand why when push came to shove, Judas thought the best option he had was to betray Jesus. If we don't just assume that he was a snake from the start and that all he ever wanted to do was stab Jesus in the back, right? If we assume, um, if we assume that maybe he was pretty much more or less in the same boat as all the rest of the disciples, bringing his own experiences and expectations to the forefront and seeing what happens. You know, what happens if we just start with that kind of an assumption? Where, where do we end up? Uh, and I, for me, it took me some fascinating places, both in terms of biblical studies, just things I learned about these characters that I had never even thought to ask before, and then in terms of my own spiritual formation. I mean, this is a very challenging book to write. Um, yeah, I, so here's here's a couple things. Uh, first of all, I, I get the sense that really this, this, this isn't about now, let's just learn from other people's mistake, children. This is about realizing that given the right set of circumstances, anybody can do anything. Yes. And so there is a genuine empathy here. There is a, a looking at the villains, the so-called villains of the Bible, and going, man, that, the reason I resonate with that story is it, it hits a little too close to home. Yeah, and, I, you know, there's my goal, in, especially right, because so I wrote, I wrote the fictionalized retelling. So Samson and Delilah, you're in Delilah's perspective. So the bad girls of the Bible that you mentioned earlier, like she modernized all of those. So it's like a contemporary version of Delilah, mm. contemporary version of Jezebel. I don't I, like, that's fine. That's great. She's a creative writer. I didn't want to do that. I wanted to, I wanted to stay in the world of the Bible and to try to introduce readers to the world of the scripture. And, and again, to treat these people like real people, because I think growing up um, felt board is great when you're in elementary school, but at some point you need to realize these were real people, you know, that had real ideas and emotions. <laughs> and oh, sorry. You said a funny word, dude. I have, I have taken the Mickey out of the whole felt board. <laughs> yeah. But you know, I mean, that's again, it, when you're a kid, it's great. You help you learn the stories, but there comes a point when you have, they have to become three dimensional, right? I mean, that. so fiction <laughs> helps us, See and other see through other people's eyes. I mean, it, it helps us. It helps us in a way that nonfiction doesn't. So as I sat down to write these stories, I mean, these people became real to me. And my my goal, my goal with the stories was that by the end of each story, you would you would like love you would love this character that you would be rooting for them, and that when they make the decision that they make, that you know that they're going to make because you are probably already know these stories. Your, your emotional experience at that point is not like this self-righteous indignation, like, well, of course they did that. But you'd actually feel heartbroken because you've come to care about this person, you've come to love them, and you're, you're now grieved that they've chosen what they've chosen. And, and I think that's where God is with each of these people. Okay, that's, all, so that's all well and good for the, for the people and the, the, the actual humans <laughs> in the Bible, but come on, you know, you don't want us, to get, all, you, you don't want us to get all Hallmark <laughs> moment about Satan, do you? 
Maybe Candace so could do at it. The risk, <laughs> at the risk of ch- treading into choppy waters, if we believe that Satan was created by God, which I think is a relatively undebatable position for most Christians, then we believe that Satan started out good and fell. Uh, and I think that there's still some profit for us to ask how that could, how could someone who stood in God's physical presence and, and knew God at a level that was deeper and more intimate than any human has probably ever experienced, how could that person rebel? I think that's a fascinating question that's absolutely worth asking and worth our time. Uh, as do I. But I'm certainly glad that you threw in an interlude after chapter 12. <laughs> Uh, yeah, the, yeah. The interlude is the monster at the end of this book, and I thought you were going to talk about Trump at that point, but I realize it's. So I'm sorry. It's just the Trump jokes are so easy. Yes, just, they are low hanging fruit. I had some jabs. I had some jabs throughout the book. They were subtle, but they were in there. Okay, all right. I just you know just what people do these days. I'm a, I'm a product of my culture. Can I just say it near the end of this interview here? I want our kids to know that. According to Magist Peter Gilmore, who is the high priest of the Church of Satan, who has been on my show a couple of times, you need to know, kids, the Satanists don't actually believe in Satan. Because if they believed in Satan, which came out of the Bible, that would give credence to the Bible. It would give some kind of honoring thing of the Bible. Like, why would they believe in a character that comes out of the Bible when they don't believe the Bible? So they don't believe in a literal Satan. As a matter of fact, they get ticked off when posers going around thinking that there really is a Satan. It's silly, kids. It's just, I don't know why I keep saying kids, but anyway, then... So I wanted to point that out. You're on the South Board Sunday School stuff, right? <laughs> yes, totally. <laughs> totally. Uh, okay, before we say goodbye, uh, how many tattoos do you have? I've kind of reached the point where I, you don't really keep kind of like I have a full sleeve on my left arm. So is that like one tattoo or is that like six separate kind of parts? I have like a back piece. Uh, uh, most of my right arm's covered. I'm sorry, did you say so, a back piece? Is that like a tramp stamp? What is that? What's a back piece? Well, it's like your, you like your whole back covered. Oh. I got to know these yeah. terms, man. A back piece, a sleeve. <laughs> what else is there? Do you have your any yeah, uh, gonna, um, Do you have any facial tattoos like a teardrop? I I don't yet. No. I haven't murdered anyone for the yakuza. I mean, that's, you know, life goals, but No, I'll but I'm, I'm going I'm, sure. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm going back to the whole Kane yeah. thing, right? I got to so. live out chapter 9, yeah, right, man. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I'm thinking about like a uh, sort of like live journalism for my next project, so yeah. Maybe the Yakuza will pick me up. And... You are funny. I, you know what? I got to give University Press some cred because they, I have actually been hunkering down. And I've, I've, I've kind of liked a whole bunch of their books lately. And, uh, Uh-oh. No, Watch I, out, Drew. That's scary. It's not because I've changed. They've changed. I'm still a jerk. Right. Anyway. I love InterVarsity. The stuff they're putting out is just incredible. Yeah. And it's a huge honor. Like when they when they told me they wanted the book, I cried and yeah. screamed and it was a wonderful experience. Did yeah. you wave your hands? It's amazing. Well, Jay Forresteros. Forresteros. F O R A S T E R O S. He's a teaching pastor at Catalyst Community Church in Rowlett, Texas. Uh, he blogs at NorvalRogers.com, where he reviews films and books. He is the co-creator and co-host of Story Man Podcast, which I've never been on. He is a master's degree in religious studies, at New Testament, uh, early Christianity from the University of Missouri, Columbia. He can be found online at jrforesteros.com. He's all over the place. He's a big deal, and he will continue to be 
uh, a big deal because he's a big deal. JR, dude, thank you very much. Good to chat with you again, man. Drew, such an honor to come back on. Thank you for having me back on. It was yeah. great. Yeah. Take care, man. Enjoy it. Thank you. See you.